that cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 74th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Recorded here in central London, just off Historic Abbey Road, where I, Mac B. the Wolf, and my partner in crime, Action Jackson, are talking about the rock music that has turned us on over the decades. Hard rock, classic rock, heavy metal, prog rock, early MTV, everything we've ever been into, and everything we continue to discover, whether in the USA or abroad as I am now. And we appreciate you listening to last week's episode of our review of Simple Minds. It was a great show for me to see. They were fantastic live, and hopefully you got a little bit of the history in there where we feel like they should be a much bigger band in the United States than they are. Over here in the UK and in Europe, really throughout most of the world, they're a pretty big band, sold over 60 million records, and put on one heck of a show. In America, to a lot of people, they're a one-hit wonder from The Breakfast Club, or maybe they know a couple songs, but they've got dozens of hits, and being able to see them live just solidified my understanding of their music and their legacy, and I know I'm not the only person out there who's happy to see live music back. Being able to go out and see your favorite artist perform live, or even if it's a new band you're trying to get to know, seeing them perform live is the gold standard to see who's really got the goods. And for the last couple years during COVID, we had all of our concerts taken away from us. I famously have talked on this show how in 2020, I purchased tickets for 12 different concerts, and then one by one, I saw every one of them either canceled or postponed at least one year and often two years. Well, now, a lot of those concerts are happening, and we got to see Genesis. I told you about that on episode 71. We got to see Simple Minds, and this week, we're going to talk about concerts from both sides of the pond. I was fortunate enough to see Sting at the Palladium, like a 2,300-seat theater, to do his classic songs with some new ones, and Jackson got to see The Cult, his favorite band, one of our very favorites, a band we've reviewed on this show a couple of times. He got to see them live at the House of Blues in Orlando. So first we're going to go walk through Sting live at the Palladium, and then we're going to take you on a trip to Central Florida to hear about how the cult were live at the House of Blues. Now, as usual, we want you to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Our shows come out on Thursdays. You can get them on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, but make sure you subscribe so you don't miss them. And we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network of music podcasts, a lot of fantastic music podcasts out there. Not all of them rock and roll, uh, but a lot of great hosts, a lot of great topics out there, fantastic guests, and you can check them out at PantheonPodcast.com or at Pantheon Pods. And if you think about it, if you like the show, if you give us a good review, that would be wonderful. It helps us find more listeners like you, but if we like it, if we get a hold of it, we might just read it on the show. So without further ado, folks, let's get into it. Live music is back. And God, I missed it. And I know I'm not the only one. I know so many people around the world have as well. So we're going to talk about the shows we're fortunate enough to go to. And maybe, if you're lucky enough, they'll be coming to a spot near you soon. So on episode 74, we're doing Sting, live in London, and The Cult, live in Orlando, here on The Wolf. Before we get into the whole, you know, how was the band and all the favorite parts and all that kind of stuff, tell me this. How did you feel the next day? And I don't mean like hungover-wise. I mean, like, how did your body feel the next day? Well, okay. So here's the thing. I've gotten, hopefully I've gotten, well, I've definitely gotten older, but hopefully a little wiser. Mm -hmm. I just said, forget it. And I put in earplugs. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing that game anymore. And I really, it, 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 to me, it doesn't diminish any of the, the excitement. Really all it does is cut down on the high noises. Uh-huh. I mean, you can hear everything yeah. and it's almost like you're kind of in a tunnel and the band is just playing to you. Cause it, I mean, I could feel it. It was mm-hmm. so, I mean, it was like concussive when they're, when they're going into it. And it was like, it was kind of loud at the beginning. They were playing like just, you know, whatever the music over the PA. And then they started in on, you know, a couple of the, a little like a kind of a mini sound check. And I went, Oh no, 
this is going to be lethal. And so, yeah, I mean, you just kind of feel like, well, and the other thing too is where I was, there weren't any seats. It was general admission. So, I mean, people are, they're, they're kind of jockeying around the whole time. So you kind of have to, you know, hold your own a little bit. So yeah, you feel a little tired the next day. Like you feel like you were maybe not beat up, but like you, like you had a nice uh, workout the night before. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, uh, these days I'm pretty good about I don't really drink at the shows very much, yeah. um, you know, just because I can't deal with being hung over the next day. It may be when we were in college, I could drink five beers and never have to go to the bathroom. Now, if I have two, I have to go three or four times. That and was a... Yeah, right? that was a big concern of mine because it's like if I if I move from this spot, I'm not getting back here again. Right, you lose your spot in a GA show, right? right? But even if you've got a show, you got to jump over all these people, then I got to jump over, you know, to get back to them. Even if you have a seat, so I don't really do that anymore, and I don't want to miss out on on parts of the show. But I'm always happy to say, okay, now here's one of our new ones. I'm like, okay, yeah, now nah, I got to go to the bathroom, you know, and I <laughs> I can go for that, but. And I'll admit, I did walk down to my show, which is, you know, more than two miles away. But it was a beautiful kind of spring evening, and the sun was out, and I walked through the park. So I'm like, you know, this is this is nice. And we hung out you know, before the show, and then my wife and I go in there. We really enjoyed the show. I did hop up and down for a couple, which we'll talk about. But the next day, I was, like, exhausted. And it's not <laughs> like we got home really late. We got home maybe quarter after 11. I mean... Later than I would probably be awake normally, but it's not like I got home at two in the morning or something like that. And even my wife, who is in great shape, she's like, God, I was exhausted. She came home early on Friday, and as soon as she got done with her last meeting, she's like, that's it, I'm out of here. She was tired, too. And I'm like, God, it's a good thing I went to as many shows as I did when I was younger. Because these days, when you're pushing 50, it's not the same sport it used to be. Yeah, and, and especially you're not even talking about going to something that was going to beat you up like a Metallica show. Right. I mean, it's th- this was, I mean, you went to go see Sting. Yeah. It was sat down the show, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I can't even imagine going to something like, what is that What is that thing that they do? Uh, I don't think the big four where it's like, it's Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. You'd be, you just have to like, just dig a hole and I'll get in after that thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd never make it. I'd never make it. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. That's why I don't go to stuff like that. It's like, don't you want to see Maiden at the Download Festival? I'm like, I want to see Maiden, but I don't want to be in a field for eight hours with a bunch of 100,000 yeah. idiots, you know? It's like, is there a VIP section where they can like helicopter me in to just come pick me up afterwards? You know? Bring me drinks and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, at least we get to go see these shows again. I mean, look, 2020, basically all the shows got wiped off. And then over here... 2021, some of them came back, but most of them didn't. And I feel like in the States, maybe 2021, it was back more than it was over here. Yeah. And it was, it was funny because at the end of the show, Ian said something about how, you know, doing a little crowd work at the end. Oh, okay. It's 2019. Oh, wait, it's 2021. Oh, wait, it's 20. Where did the time go? Right. I'm like, yeah, it, it has been a while. And especially for these dudes who've been, you know, chomping at the bit to get back out on the road. It's it's been rough. You didn't realize how much time has passed since anything like this happened. I know, I know, and I guess the cult. Uh, I did get to see Steve Hackett live last fall uh, at the Palladium, which is where I saw Sting this past week. But the Cult were the last band I saw live for two years, basically, when I saw them at Hammersmith on 30th anniversary of uh, Sonic Temple, which is awesome. And I'm glad that you got to see them this year because, well, it's good to see them out. Plus, the set list looked like it was right up our alley. It, was, it wasn't It was the Sonic Temple run-through, but it was pretty close. Close, yeah. It, it was, yeah, it was, we can get into that in a minute, but it, it was a great set list. I, I was just kind of puzzled as to why they did that at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that first. Though I think I think what we'll do we'll do Sting first, and then we'll okay. do the Colt afterwards. So we've got a new thing here on the Wolf that we want that we want to do. So every time we see a live show, we want to set it up. We want to set you know certain some questions about it as far as you know where it was and and kind of the anticipation on it and what was good and what was bad and all that kind of stuff. There's five questions to ask at the beginning, right? right. City, venue, why you're excited for it, have you seen it before, and lineup. Is it original? Is it classic? Is it fire guns? And then at the end, we'll talk about favorite song, least favorite song, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, and would you see it? Okay. Those are our ten, right? All right. So, let's see then. Four Sting. All right. City, it was London. 
because I live here in London on Thursday, April 21st. It was actually the last of six shows that he did at the Palladium, which is about a 2,300-seater. And and I think he's done this in recent years. He likes to play at the smaller venues because you just have better contact with the audience. And though he could play one arena one night and sell just as many tickets as those six, um, I, I think he just kind of enjoys it more, to be honest with you. It's not like he really does it for the money, right? So right. it'd be easier to do just six arena shows and make all that money but i I think he he actually enjoys it and if i recall correctly because i bought these for 2020 he was originally doing five shows at the palladium they all sold out really quickly and that's when i was on the fence like yeah i don't know if i want to see sting again or not and then when they said all right those sold out fast he's going to do one more i'm like all right that's a good date night i can take the she-wolf to that you know so i i jumped on so uh yeah palladium it's got to be a hundred and 25 years old, something like that, and was about 2,300-seater. So just real quick, so we can set the stage also, you said you brought your wife, the She-Wolf. Is, was she excited to go, or did she go just to to kind of hang around with you, or is she a big Sting fan? You know, she. I intentionally pick out these date night shows, because there's some shows that I want to go to that I know that she's just not going to like, or if I yeah. take her... It's going to be a waste of time for both of us because she's going to be asking me questions while I'm trying to watch the band. Or, you know, like, eh, you know, leave me alone. We have to stay till the end. Yeah. What? What? I'm listening to the show. Oh, God. Okay. I just won't take you next time. How about that? Well, no, because I did take her to the police on the reunion tour, but she had never seen Sting solo. And yeah, of course, I think most people like Sting, you know, if they don't love him, you know a bunch of his songs yeah. anyway. The ladies have always liked Sting. Uh, she was remarking about he looks the same. He looks the same as he did 20 years ago. And I'm here to tell you, at 70 years old, he looks amazing, man. It's unbelievable. He's in great shape. He's wearing leather pants and a satin leather jacket. I mean, sorry, sorry, satin black jacket, not leather. Because I thought it was leather. I'm like, no, nah, man, that's satin. Didn't have any fat on him anywhere. And actually had more hair than I expected him to have at this point, given that I mm. saw him on the police reunion tour, what was that, 15 years ago or so. I'm like, yeah, he'll probably be balder when he's 70, but look great. Like he kind of had a bit of a tan, was smiling a lot. So yeah, so she was, I don't think she was like, oh my God, yes, we get to go to Sting. But I think she was happy like, yeah, this will be a fun night out. Okay, so she was familiar enough with the catalog where she could have a good time at the show. Exactly. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And like I said, I have seen, this was actually the fifth time that I've seen Sting. Okay. I saw him solo in the arena in in orlando after we graduate okay. after we, yeah like 97 or something maybe like that okay. you know you know because i still had friends who, who lived down there and i i just you know remember i got tickets to see sting and i was talking to my boy travis hey can i can i crash with you guys that night because we want to see sting he's like oh god kurt's going to see that and his girlfriend i'm like oh great well we can all go together <laughs> so i saw him in the arena and he was you know he's doing his solo stuff and he didn't have as much of it then and he's doing police songs and then I went on three different treks to see the police on their farewell tour. I saw them in Oakland in the Coliseum where the A's and the Raiders used to play. I saw them in Denver at the, I think it was the Pepsi Center and indoors. And uh, and I won some odd like Best Buy fan package kind of thing where you got these laminates and you got to go, you didn't get to go backstage to meet the band, but you got to go to this odd little VIP area, which was not very VIP. <laughs> It had some snacks in it or whatever. I don't know. But it's like we got to go in there and I got a cool laminate, which looks good in the like the scrapbook, but it didn't really get you much of anything. And then they eventually played Churchill Downs in Louisville, my hometown, because Churchill Downs like, oh, we got to figure out other ways other than just horse racing to make money. So they came uh, to Churchill Downs and, and that was fun to see them outside. So this was my fifth time seeing Sting, but first time solo in 25 years and first time in a venue so small, because like, you know, so I'm in two arenas, one football stadium and one racetrack. So to see him in the Palladium was pretty cool. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And just real quick, just because I'm I'm curious, you said you went to see them three times on the police reunion tour. Was it all the same or did they change the set list up? No, it was pretty much all the same. Okay. It was, it was pretty was much curious. every single time. Yeah. It, it, with a show that's that big, you can't really, if you're going to change things up, it really causes, I think, problems with the you know, you've got you've got lighting, you've got, you know, maybe something else going on. Like I know 
when um, Stuart Copeland, when they did uh, King of Pain, not King of Pain, uh, wrapped around your finger, he had that giant rig in the back that he mm-hmm. played the, you can't mess with that. Like it's got to happen at a certain time. You've got to have the stuff ready. And so, yeah, once, once you get it set, uh, they probably wouldn't change it. Yeah. And they have this amazing, you know, it, it's almost like a curtain of lights these days, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like when they do walking your footsteps and they've got the dinosaur walking behind you know, you can't use that for any other song. Right. You have to play that, right? <laughs> so, no, I, I get it. You know, it's that big. They they can't, and they may change it up between continents a little bit if they have yeah. to, but but not 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 in the three shows I saw, no. And to the best of my knowledge here, there weren't many changes between the six nights at the Palladium. I didn't look at every single set in depth. They may have switched one song out one night or something like that. But for the most part, I mean, for like the three nights I was looking at it leading up to it, getting ready for it, they were all the same, and it was the same night I saw them. But it sounded good, band was tight. Yeah, the band, you know, he can kind of get whoever he wants uh, in there, you know. He had a guy, Dominic Miller, who's this older guy, um, to be his guitar player, who I guess he's uh, he's from Argentina, if if that sounds right. He went to the Berkeley School of Music uh, a little bit, where a lot of great uh, musicians have come from. And he co-wrote Shape of My Heart with Sting, which uh, uh, which he played that night. And he's worked with Phil Collins, The Pretenders, and, and folks like that. He also had his son on as the second guitar player, Rufus. But he, he, they both did, I thought, very well. A guy named John Freeze on the drums, Kevon Webster on the keyboards, and then he had two backup singers, Gene Noble, actually Gene Noble III, and he came out and sang out front with him a little bit, uh, and Melissa Music were his backup vocalists. Plus he had this guy, Shane, Shane Sage, who would do the harmonica bits. So he, he wasn't on every single song, but he would come out and do that. So we're talking like Sting plus six or seven other people behind him to make all that noise. Okay. And he started off with Russians. Mm-hmm. Because he came out and said, you know, here, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do a song from my back catalog that I wrote a long time ago during the Cold War and kind of lost its relevancy for a while. I've hardly played it in years because I thought it wasn't relevant, but in light of current events. (laughs) So what it was is they had a big, not a screen, like a big curtain down, okay? But you could kind of get light through it, so it wasn't like a big thick velvet curtain. And he came out of there, and and there was a seat, you know, and a microphone and a second seat. And I'm like, oh, God, is this all acoustic tonight? I thought he had a band. And so um, he comes out with a young woman called uh, Yaroslava. I'm going to try to... Try to get this right. Oh boy. Trofimchuk, Yaroslava Trofimchuk, she is Ukrainian. She was a cellist. And so he decided, in light of what's going on in the Ukraine, he would play Russians. He had his little acoustic guitar. He sat on his chair for it. She played the the melody on her cello, and it was it was really good. It was kind of poignant and 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 cool. I'm like, you know, he's always been an activist, whether it's the mm-hmm. rainforest or or whatever. He, he's always been an activist, so here he is doing his small part to, uh, and he, would you call it an idiotic war? He wasn't as he wasn't as brutal as Phil Collins was about it. And he's, he's like, fucking Putin. You know, like, okay, Phil. <laughs> but, but Sting, is, you know, was not digging it. So they did it. He kissed her on the hand, and then the curtain went up to kind of reveal, oh, yes, there's this whole band and a stage and big. On both sides, he had, they, they almost looked like small drapes, but they were those, like, light projectors kind of things Um, you know maybe six feet across but like 40 feet high you know Um, so you could see sting in all his stingness better but i mean the first 20 feet 20 yards maybe of the stage is really just occupied by sting right everyone Mm -hmm. else kind of has to stand back there right (laughs) once in a while a guitar player might be able to walk out once in a while the harp player might be able to walk out for his bit but for the most part they all stand back against the back wall and he because he's got his headphone on he struts around the stage playing his bass and looking good and singing his songs so there's no doubt who sting is right (laughs) you will speak when spoken to when i need you you get up here and then immediately yeah back against the wall that's pretty much the way it was uh (laughs) so yeah i mean (laughs) and the thing is over here man the papers or the you know the reviewers are like he is so full of himself he is such a smug i'm like well yeah all you english people are it's kind of your thing right (laughs) but they're like you know He's a divisive figure, you know, calls himself a consummate musical craftsman, but it's all too evident how good he knows he is. I'm like, oh, okay, well, he is good. And his voice still sounds awfully good, Jackson. I mean, I, there was no cracks. There's no point like, okay. oh, 
Good thing they tuned that one down. Or, no, I mean, he sounds good. Yeah, that, that's a whole – we can get into that in a minute too. But I think that's the, that's the biggest thing is how – can you still deliver the goods? Yeah. And it sounds like, yeah, he, he still is at the top of his game. He, he really is, you know. And, and he, of course, he knows how to work the crowd at this point. He's strutting around in his leather pants, walking up to the front, walking over to the sides, you know, smiling and stuff like that. And he's still, it's, it's interesting to me the way he plays the bass. He, he mostly uses his thumb on the mm. top string, but then he curls his other fingers down so he can pluck them, but it's all the way down like the bridge, you know, it's not over the pickup. It's all the way down low. And you really kind of have to watch what his index finger and middle finger are doing because it's obvious he's doing a lot with his thumb, but he's doing a lot more with that. He's awfully good at that thing. I mean, he, he's probably underrated as a bass player just because he does write the songs and he does have that amazing voice and he does look so good, son of a bitch, you know, but, <laughs> but he, he is a pretty darn good bass player. Well, I remember too, like when, so the synchronicity came out, that was huge. And then he did dream of the blue turtles, which was huge. huge. And the first video they had was, uh, you know, if you love someone set them free. Right. right? So he starts off and he's got a guitar. And I remember as a kid thinking, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. No, he plays the bass. He's, he's the bass player. player. What's, yeah. yeah, what's he doing now? So you really kind of forgot about that for a while. And I forgot about that until I saw those police reunion concerts. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, you know what? Yeah, he really is a good bass player. And, you know, when he's playing the guitar, it's just it's just kind of on top of everything. Like he's got other guitar players in the band. Right. But to, when he's out there with the police, and now it sounds like on this deal, he's the only bass player. So he's it. So there is a real part that he has to. Yeah, it stands it's really out. part of the song, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you do really lose that that he can he can play and sing at the same time. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. You know, uh, although he can't always remember what to sing <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Because after Russians, he breaks into message in a bottle and everyone's up, oh, all right, yeah. yeah. Everyone's hopping around. When he was supposed to sing the second verse, he goes right into the third verse. Like he skipped over it. Like he, when he's supposed to be second verse, he goes, walked out this morning, don't believe what. And I'm sitting there shaking my head. I'm like, that's not it. That's not the verse. And then he had to stop. The crowd kept going. They're like, yeah, well, because they just sing, you're the greatest. And he started it, so I'm going to sing it right back to him. I'm like, I go, that's not it. And he stood there for a second. He's like, that's not the right verse. <laughs> the crowd down front didn't care. They're just like, I'm this close to Sting, and he's singing my favorite song. You know, So they were they were just kind of going along with it. I'm like, that's not right. And then he, he admitted it, and he kind of, then he kind of finished out the the last couple pieces of the second verse before he went back to, I'll send an SOS. But is that almost refreshing? Because it's like, do you it was really, for me? Do you really want to see a show that's totally robotic, where it's just like, okay, you know, it, everything is is about like you'd hear it on the record. They don't really. I mean, you want to see like a little, hey, you know, here's a here's a real moment, not just a rehearsed mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of going live and why I don't want him to make a mistake. I would have right. rather sung the right words along with him. But, you know, he kept going. He didn't mess up his bass part. He just kind of realized, wow, I'm I'm singing the wrong words, you know, and, and then he got <laughs> back to it, you know. So that was that was fun, you know, honestly. Yeah. It was kind of a fun piece. And it's not like I've never seen him do it. I mean, that was the fifth time I'd seen him do it. So if yeah. it's like the one and only time I ever saw Sting and he messed that up, maybe I would have been a little upset. But I'm like, no, nah, you know, that's that's part of why you go see live shows. Correct. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and like I said, as much as you don't want to see them make a just a horrendous mistake, it is nice to see somebody be a human for a minute. Like, okay, yeah, ha, ha, you know what? That's the wrong verse. Yeah, especially someone who at 70, you know, he's like our parents' age, and he is in better shape than we are. It's like, yeah, <laughs> show me you're human, you sack, you know? <laughs> you know, all that yoga and five-hour <laughs> sessions with Trudy paying off, you know? Hi, I'm Deborah Bonham. And I am the Irish werewolf in England, Peter Bullock. <laughs> And you're listening to The Ugly American Werewolf in London. But no, I mean, and then it was a great set, you know. Now, when I saw Steve Hackett at the Palladium, I was upstairs. I was in the upper deck. 
This time we were in about the 20th row down on the floor. Much to my chagrin, when I was upstairs for Steve Hackett and Amanda Lehman, the chairs were so close together. Like my knees were in my chest. I was like, oh my mm. God. But I'm like, you know, look, they built this place 125 years ago. They sit on concrete slabs, the, the chairs, as they go up, right? So there's not a whole lot you could do as far as creating more room. I'm like, but one day I'll sit down low down there where they've, you know, they've eventually, they put in new seats, right? And they... Right. You know, they've accommodated for people who aren't hobbits anymore, you know. We get down there, and I swear to God, it's about the same thing. Man. Like, <laughs> I'm glad my wife was next to me so I could put my knee into her space because I couldn't have put them both right in front of me. You know, But the other difference was we, we were standing up most of the time for this show because it was – it was fun. Once again, I was on the younger side. I mean, I was below the, the 50%. To, I'd say below the median age. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of weird to see a rock show with so many. I mean, when we were kids, it wouldn't fascinate. You know, we go see Rush or something like that, or we saw Page and Plant. Like, yeah, we're going to be some of the youngest kids here. Yeah. But now it's like, God, I'm almost 50, you know, and uh, <laughs> and I'm still one of the younger people at these shows. <laughs> but dig it, man. I mean, he, he started off with five hits, both solo and police. Russians, Message in a Bottle, If You Love Somebody, Englishman in New York, which the crowd was, was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Every Little Thing She Does is Magic, you know, okay. which is a fun one. Then he went into some new song. And he did kind of go back out to his little chair out front there and stick his foot on, you know, the monitor or, or the microphone stand or something and do some that I didn't really know. Like if it's love, for her love, loving you, rushing water, and I hung my head. Because I guess he did a lockdown album that uh, that I wasn't super familiar with. So he's like, all right, look, I gave you some hits. That's what you wanted, right? Now you're going to have to listen to some new stuff. <laughs> now know? it's my time. Yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> uh, so he, he did that for a while, you know, but then he broke right back into Feels of Gold and Brand New Day. And he did a lot of police songs. He did eight police songs, which okay. uh, is, is pretty awesome. And, and most of the ones that you would expect, right? I mean, he did from Secret wrapped around your finger, King of Pain, and every breath you take, uh, as you would expect. Did Driven to Tears off of Zenyatta Mandata, which I absolutely love. Yeah, that's yeah, that is a great song. That's a great pick from that record. I've always loved that one, you know. I'll tell you another thing that he did that was kind of interesting is on a few of these songs, he would do them. And then when he got to be about three quarters of the way through, he would morph into something else, you know. Okay. So, so like when he's doing Walking on the Moon, boom, 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 boom. And when you realize he could just change the bass just a little bit, it could become get up, stand up. So he would do a little bit of get up, stand up for a while before then he morphed back into walking on the moon to to kind of close it out. And then the highlight for me has to be So Lonely. That was not my favorite police song growing up. I didn't really know that song growing up. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that song when we were in college. Yeah, but which is too bad because it's fantastic. It's amazing. No, it's it's a fantastic song. And I guess it was when I finally got Police Live where they had one show from Synchronicity and then like one when they were just starting out like from a club in Boston or something like that. And So Lonely was so good. And I'm like, oh, man, that's amazing. And then they played it, of course, three times on the police reunion tour. And that was my favorite part. I'm like jumping up and down and singing along or whatever. So yeah, I was hopping up and down. And that might have been some of the reason I was a little sore, a little tight the next day because I was singing my heart out and hopping up and down. But then he morphed into, you know, it's famously, uh, you know, I wrote this song, uh, you know, from a Bob Marley thing. It's, It's like, no woman, no cry. And here's some of that. And he morphed into no woman, no cry, you know which was really cool. And then he started to boom, 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 pick it back up. And then, lonely, so lonely. I'm like, God, this is the greatest, man. It's so cool. So did he mess with that at all? I mean, that's that's real high. That's a that's sung in a register that, can he still pull that off or did they mess with it a little bit? Oh, I think this. I think he may have come down a little bit because he's got the, he's got his female backup singer to really do the high stuff. Okay. Lonely. So no, yeah, he was not quite, you know, okay. he wasn't way up there that time. No, no. But it sounded great. I mean, look, it sounded the way it did 15 years ago. So, mm-hmm. so that was great. Um, even when he did Roxanne, he busted into, it don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing. <laughs> Which is probably most famous from our generation from Harlem Nights. You can see Danny Aiello singing that to, uh, to Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. But no, you know, just, just, it was fun, you know, and the stage looked good. It was, it was colorful, but it wasn't overdone. Mm -hmm. He certainly gave credit to his band members, you know, when possible. He let them 
saunter up and saunter back a few times. Like, hey, you want to come to my spot? Great. Okay, now go back. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of thing. I invite you up and send you back. Send you back to where you belong. Right. Check the marquee if you wonder who's supposed to be up front. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's not even it's not even Sting and Friends. It's no. just Sting. It's Sting, you know. <laughs> uh, although the opening acts, there were two. I missed the first one. The second one was called. It's a a, a girl group, a three piece girl group called Cruel Hearts Club. And I, I saw their last two or three songs. They weren't bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't like amazing, um, but they were kind of fun. You know, they're kind of punk ish band. And then before before them was one Joe Sumner. Okay. Does that name, that last name ring a bell? Sounds like uh, vaguely family uh, related. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sting wasn't born Sting, for those of you who don't know. He was born <laughs> Gordon Sumner. That's why when we were in college and he put out the record 10 Sumner's Tales, it was a play on his name. So, yeah, Sting is not above nepotism. I didn't see Joe play, so I can't say if he was good or bad or not. But I did see him play three times on the police tour because he was in a band called Fiction Plane. Fiction Plane, never heard of them before the police tour, never heard them on the radio, never heard of them after the police tour, but I heard them three times on that tour. So yeah, Sting's, uh, he's not afraid to give his kids a chance. And that's not even one of his young kids. I mean, that's from, he's from his first wife, so he's only a few years younger than we are. Huh. Like, at 45, your dad's still getting you gigs, man. Come on. <laughs> Give me a break. I understand you're 30. You're trying to break. You got this band fiction play. All right, yeah, you know, take the gig. But now yeah. it's like, don't you have anything else to do? Because he's 70. <laughs> he can't do this forever. You're going to have to get your own gigs at some point. Going out on tour. Can I come with you? <laughs> all right. Let's go. Stuart Danny show up. All right. Are we all going to get the same share? No. I get a double share. You guys get what I give you. In fact, my kid gets the same share as you for opening in a shitty little fiction plane band. <laughs> okay, just take us out, please. <laughs> no, actually, I can't see Stuart saying okay to that. I, I, no. I see Stuart having a real problem with all of that. Right. So. Yes. Yeah. But overall, look, it was it was fun. It was fun to be out in London. We didn't have to have masks on. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is good because we were just in Sicily and they wanted us to have our masks on every. So it's good to be back in London where that stuff is pretty relaxed. We didn't have to have our masks on. We didn't have to have a test to get in. Uh, we are ticket. We walk in. We sat down. It was packed. And everyone was happy. People were singing. People were enjoying the show, enjoying the opportunity to see this this legend, you know, at least one more time. So that, that, it, it was a fun night. So you would go again, even though you've seen him now 178 times. All right. So now, all right. So we got our five questions here. So yeah, I want to go least favorite first. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Least favorite first is probably going to be, it, it, it was one of those two newer, if it's love or for her love. The Rushing Water song I thought was really good as far as the new ones. It's hard to compete when you've got songs that you've loved for decades. It's like, Mm -hmm. here's something you've never heard before. Even though I thought his new stuff fit in well. It's not like I disliked any of it. I'm like, you know what? It sounded good and it fit in. But it's like, would you rather hear that or something like do 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 da 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 or something like that? You know, mm-hmm. it was better than something like Miss Gradenko, um, but it was not, <laughs> which you know he's not going to play. But uh, but you know, so so least favorite part, yeah, it's probably one of those new songs, not because they're bad, but just because I didn't know them and and whatever. Okay. Okay, so then the, which one was your, I think I already know, but which one was your favorite? It's, it's so lonely, man. I, I okay. can't help that's, myself. Yeah, you know? that's, what I would, that's what I would think. And I was jumping. I was like leaving yeah. the air. You know, when you're 250 plus pounds, <laughs> you know, your feet don't leave the air, at least not at the same time, you know. So, uh, no, I, I was, I was loved. Okay, so what was the biggest disappointment? <sighs> what was the biggest disappointment? The biggest disappointment to me, honestly, was 20th row. That's not that far back, right? But the, the mezzanine and the upper deck kind of hung over you. So if you were standing up, I could see Sting fine. But then the two screens that had him on either side, mm-hmm. his head was cut off because because the upper deck is over it. Now, if I was sitting down and everybody's sitting down during a slow song, then, then maybe I could see him. But then he was probably sitting down too, and there's no need to see the, the whole thing. So I don't consider the fact that he messed up message in a bottle a disappointment. I, I Actually, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of think that was a highlight to be honest with you. So. <laughs> so, but, so, but the other disappointment is, God, could you make the seats any smaller? Look, I know if from left to right it doesn't fit, that's my fault. I'm too fat. 
but it's it, you know if if from the back to my knees I can't squeeze in there. You made the seats too small. You've got to give us a little more space. So now you said you saw Steve Hackett at the same place, right? The Palladium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so is it was this the second show, or have you seen more shows at this place? That, that was the second time I've ever been to Palladium. Yeah. Okay. So would now after number two, and you sat down in the front, and it wasn't any better. Would that weigh on your decision to see a show? Like, oh, I can't wait. Oh, it's at the Palladium. Oh. I don't know. I mean, the, the Palladium. Like I said, I can walk there mm-hmm. um although it takes me a little while i can certainly walk there it's in a nice fun section of town right off oxford street you know and right near carnaby street where the stones have their store and there's a lot of other like fun shopping there and stuff yeah if, if i if it was between that and hammersmith if i could see an artist either place i would probably take hammersmith okay but that said i mean usually you don't get that option it's like someone's coming to town and here's where they're coming so i didn't love it but it's fine, you know. It's that's what happens when the place is that old. I mean, they make the seats small. Yeah. So, what was it? Any surprises? The surprise to me was that. Well, I mean, at first I was surprised, like, oh, he doesn't have a band. It's just him outside, uh, out front on the stool. And then after he did Russians, they lifted the curtain. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm surprised. Yes, he does have a band back there. And that's, okay. That's really cool. Yeah. And then he sat down and did an acoustic show, which doesn't necessarily surprise me. I just didn't know it was coming. And so I'm like, well, that's cool that that he does that. You know, I thought it was I thought it was nice. So no, I. Overall, I, I I rated a very good show. Yeah, excellent. So the bottom line is, you would see him again. Yeah. So uh, short answer, yes. Long answer, yes. With a but, I you know at this point in my life, I'm not trying to spend a lot of money because these tickets weren't obscene or anything. But they're about a hundred quid a piece, which is you know like 130, 140 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely checked the sting box at this point. I'm not going to go out of my way to see him. You know, like when you live in Louisville, like I have a long time, not everybody comes to Louisville, so you got to go to Nashville or Cincinnati or Indianapolis or Columbus or Chicago to go see people. I certainly wouldn't be leaving town to go see Sting. If this was my last Sting show, I'm okay with that. I think it was a cool way to do it. He looked great. Okay. He sounded great. And it was awesome. I would go see him again, but I'm not going to go out of my way to do so. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> This is Neil from Daft Left Pod. You're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. So that wraps up Stingo. But let's get into the more rockin' side of the coin for this week. Okay. Uh, my favorite, your very favorite band, The Cult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, you have to, you, like you were talking about living in Louisville, you know, you kind of got to go with what you got. I was surprised that they were playing down in Florida and did, was, were not coming to Jacksonville. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big city. So it was that was a little curious. I had to uh, truck myself down to beautiful Orlando, Florida, our old stomping grounds. Oh, yeah. To the House of Blues. It's at Disney, but not really, but it really is at Disney. So right off the bat, it was a, just a weird vibe. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, what are we doing here? Have you have you been to the House of Blues there? I was going to say, I've never been there. I had never been there either, so I had no idea what to expect from this venue. My wife was supposed to go with me. She, uh, Our son got sick. He had the flu. She wasn't feeling well, and I was like... If it was anybody else, I would have just bagged it. Right. But I'm like, no, because it's like a two and a half, almost three hour drive to get down there. But I'm like, Easily. I got, I can't not go to this. I can't. So I got down there. It got into the place. It's just a big, it's like a bar, but like a giant bar. Right. I, I think at some point in time, like you probably could put seats down on the main floor, but there weren't any for this one. So with the fact that my wife wasn't there it kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. Now I'm like, okay, now I don't have yeah. to, because basically she was going just to, just to, to go with you, to accompany you. me. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> you know, she, she doesn't know the, the back catalog like I do. So the first thing I was thinking about was, okay, the hit because because now I don't really have anybody to talk to in line other than like, you know, Hey, what's going on? Not too much. I don't really care about that. So All then right. my mind starts to wander. Like these guys played probably, the height of their fame was, you know, 87, 88, 89, right there. What's the biggest place they ever played on their own? Not festival, mm-hmm. probably like arena shows. Biggest headline show. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably an arena deal, not a mm-hmm. stadium tour. Right. But you got to figure back then there were probably a lot of people that went just to go. Like that was a show. It, it, tickets weren't that expensive back then relative. Mm-hmm. But this was like, there were some crusty people 
in the line. Like these were real fans. I don't think there was really anybody there that was like, yeah, I'm really not doing anything tonight. So I think I'll just go check this out. I mean, no, everybody had t-shirts on, you know, either new, some of them look like they were, might've been original. Like they brought them out of the mothballs for this show. Yeah. Maybe didn't fit as well as they did back then, but you know, whatever, that's fine. All right. So we start off with our our questions. The city was Orlando. Correct. The venue was the House of Blues. House of Blues. Mm -hmm. It was Saturday, April 23rd. Why were you excited for it? I was excited for it because I, they have had a, hmm, how do I say this? That Billy and Ian have had a very hot and cold relationship And there were definitely times where I thought I'd never see them again. So the fact that they were back out on the road, I I was excited. Always, always, they always, I've seen them twice before. They always bring it. So I was excited to to see them again. Uh, Of course, there was one fateful night, and I think it was 1992 or three, where we really didn't think we were ever going to see them again. And we barely saw the next day, if I recall that correctly. That that night went down. I mean, we were on our way to the show. I think that was actually 95. We were on our way to the show Uh that came on the radio that that they canceled it because somebody wasn't feeling well or something like that. We decided to go down in flames that evening (laughs) uh, regardless. And then I think it was the next day or shortly after that, where they're like, yeah, the band, they're done. Somebody went to rehab. And that's it. And yeah. the story. So yeah, the fact that the fact that they, there's any incarnation left is exciting. Yeah. No, yeah, that was, it's amazing. We didn't go to rehab the next day. <laughs> we um, tried very hard that night. Good thing nobody found us because they would have just <laughs> shipped us off. Uh, so then that was the next question. Had you seen them before? Yes, that you'd seen them twice before. Which, Correct. which show, which, which tours did you see them on? Well, I saw them in, in 99 on, I don't even know what that was. I think that was like a, let's put our toe back in the water and see if anybody still cares. It was before it was they got called, back together for Beyond Good and Evil. Correct. Right? It was yeah, called yeah. The Cult Rising. That was at the Roseland Ballroom in New York City, which is a dump. <laughs> but it was it was just one big open room. So that and it, but it was cool to see them. And then I saw them in Austin, Texas, in two thousand and one. For uh, it was right before they released Beyond Good and Evil. Okay. Uh, but that was that, that was a t- they were warming up for that tour. So okay. it had been quite some time. And Matt Sorum was back in the band at that point. Matt Sorum was there. Correct. Yes. So that brings me to the other question before we get into the show was the lineup. And I know who mm-hmm. the classics or original guys are, but you know, how was, right. the, how was the band lineup looking? Well, the, I mean, the, the, they've been around for long enough where they can, they can get guys who are really good, you know, hired gun musicians. Mm-hmm. The gentleman who plays the drums for them, John Tempesta, he's been around. He's been in, he was in Testament for a while. I think he played with white zombie. Okay. Um, he's been, he's basically been in the band since 2006. Okay. So he's been around, they've got, they had a guy, Grant Fitzpatrick on bass and then Damon Fox, who is kind of a utility infielder. Like Billy I'm going to get into that. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I'll get into that in a minute. Okay, he's, okay. he's the utility guy does some backing vocals but yeah the band was tight they started off with sun king oh. well actually you know let me back it up for a minute so i get into the i get into the venue I, again i don't know what this place is going to be so i got there way early like the doors open at seven i was there at like 702 oh wow you know to get in because i, I mean i heard general admission i'm like okay i i need to no, I, I need to do a little work here before yeah. so we get in there I, there aren't that many people in there, which is nice. I kind of went upstairs. Upstairs was small. I came back downstairs. Okay. And then I started thinking again, my wife's not here. So I'm in battle mode. You know, Billy sets up stage left. So get over there, kind of mm-hmm. get like their center. People start to fill up and the, um, you know, lights go down and they go into Sun King. I'm maybe like four guys back from the stage. Nice. And um and, and it was cool because you know it starts off boom ba boom ba boom boom ba boom boom. And then the guitar is gonna start and nothing happens. And you see Billy just look to the side to the sound guy and he's like, What are we doing here? Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then he the and but to the, the band's credit, they just keep going. It's like they extended it out. Like they didn't do anything. They knew something was amiss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they did. It wasn't like they went into the drum crash or anything like that. They just extended it out. They got it going and then he went into it. But it was cool just to see that look like, uh, <laughs> let's go here. You know, mm-hmm. he's messing with the knob. It's not me. It's you. Turn it up. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, it sounded great. 
I mean, right off the bat, the crowd was pumped. I kind of, I, I was right up in front. So I kind of kept looking back, like how many people are really going to show up to this thing? Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. Place was packed. You could not have fit another person in there. And it was like, that's cool. Yeah. At the beginning, it was kind of, you know, you had space and then, you know, more and more. Okay. Then by the time the, you know, it was kind of got more and more crowded. And by the time the, the lights went down, like we said before, if you moved, you weren't getting back there again. So you kind of had to, you kind of had to get, uh, right. get right in there. But yeah, it, it was really cool to be up that close. And had my wife been there, we would not have been that close. I just know it. She would not have wanted to be that squished in with everybody. I understand that. So yeah, so that, that was kind of a, kind of a blessing in disguise, but yeah, it sounded fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think they, I think they cheat a little bit, but not really. Cause when I walked in, I walked past the soundboard, which uh-huh. is about halfway down. And I was kind of looking at it. I was just fascinated to see what it looked like. And sure. it was just, it was massive with all the, you know, the controls and everything. And the guy sitting there had cult swag on like a, like a, uh, a hoodie t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I think they bring their own guys. I don't think that they mess with the house the people. House stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that, that would lend to the fact that they, everybody's on the same page and you don't have somebody who's, it's just, a, you know, whatever, I just work here. No, we want our guys in there. And actually, before the show in 2001 in Austin, there was a little bit of scuttle button there that apparently they showed up and were like, we're not using any of your equipment. You're using our equipment. We brought our own soundboard. And the people there were like, wait a minute, you can't bring your own soundboard. Yeah, we're doing this because we don't want your crappy equipment. So yeah, it was just, it, it was really, it just sounded so good. And Ian was on the vocals really right from the beginning. Yeah. He, he sounded great. There, there was some, there was some talk about them tuning down, which I think they kind of did. I could kind of tell after a while, but this is what we were talking about before. I'd rather have you do that and sing it. Then play in the original key, like, oh, we can't hit that one anymore. Oh, this one doesn't sound. He's he's really reaching. No, he sounded it sounded really good. I have to agree with you there. You know, let if you have to tune down a little bit, okay, fine. Tune tune down. You know, it, it doesn't mess up the song to people's ears, especially to most fans who are so focused on the vocals anyway. They just want to sing along. And if you can't sing along, then it's like, ugh, you know, then then that defines it doesn't sound right 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 and then you're like oh this sucks because you know he can't sing anymore this is terrible well you can just not that high Mm -hmm. so i i don't have a problem with it at all no no just put on the best show you can if that means you have to tune down a little bit that's fine you know steve howe had some kind of problem with that about john anderson you know, wanting to tune certain things down. It's like it's just another reason to get them out of the band and get somebody younger in. I'm like, yeah, Steve, you need to get over it. <laughs> I'm telling you, people want to see John Anderson. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, all right, so let's walk so, through the set a little bit, yeah? It's It was, I saw the set list for the, the show that they had done uh, a day or two earlier down in Fort Myers. And I was, I was a little, I didn't know what, what I was going to get. This was not the 30th anniversary of Sonic Temple, but it was pretty close. I mean, they only, they only missed two songs or three songs off Sonic Temple. They played the whole thing. I mean, they, they've since Sonic Temple came out, they've put out six records, Mm -hmm. full length studio records. They played one song off of that rise off of beyond good and evil. So I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, part of me was like, hey, I like those other records. There were great songs off of those. But then basically it was, it was almost like a greatest hits tour. I mean, they didn't play anything that, that everybody didn't know. So eh, I was on the fence. Yeah, it was almost know, like you're complaining about a great set list. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. Well, and they, they, didn't, they didn't go back. They didn't do anything from Dreamtime. They didn't go no. before Love. Correct. And they didn't really go after Sonic Temple. So you get those three albums. Now, look, if you told me you're going to go see The Cult tonight, but they're only going to play songs from those three albums, I bet I'd be pretty excited about it. Yes, you would be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And especially for somebody who was maybe more of a casual fan. But, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is, how can I complain about this? The only complaint is they've got great songs off those other records that they could have put in there. Yeah, exactly. And made me happy. Well, yeah, you know, and the thing is, I, I thought Choice of Weapon, which came out in the last 10 or so years or, or whatever it is, 
that was a great kind of return to form. I'm like, they're right. okay. They've kind of got themselves back together again. They could have done one or two songs off of that, but they didn't. You know, right. No Wild Hearted Son is a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I'm not like dying to hear it, but it was kind of a big hit for them, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. So it's a little yeah, surprising. I mean, and, and they even had, they had a couple off of, they had a couple off of Beyond Good and Evil. I mean, Rise came off of that, but I mean, there were other songs off of that. They had Born uh, Born Into This was a pretty good record. I mean, like you said, uh, Choice of Weapon, Bob Rock did that. I mean, that was yeah. a big deal. So, I mean, again, it's it's almost like nitpicking at this point in time. But, I mean, the, the set list was, it was super tight. The crowd was into it. I was a little nervous because I know that Asbury, even though I love him to death, is a bit of a diva. A and if you, don't give, if you don't give him what he needs from the crowd, he's going to let you know. So I'm like, come on, babe, we got to get. And it, it was an older crowd. So, but I mean, the, the nice part was you had to stand up. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, but everybody was really into it. He seemed to be into it there. He didn't have any kind of, you know, freak out moments or whatever. It was actually kind of funny because at one point in time he needed the tambourine and somebody threw it to him off, off stage mm-hmm. and it was a little low and he kind of looked and he, he just gave him the, you know, it was a little low, to me, <laughs> you know, to throw. but it wasn't, it wasn't like mean, like he was mad, like he was just kind of busting the guy's chops. That's right. All. Right. So yeah, no, he was, he was in good form. He did not take a break. I mean, that was, that's a brutal, there was no, there was no, uh, no intermission. There was no solos. Nobody did it. I mean, he sang the whole time. That's that. See, that is interesting to me because when I saw him at, where was I? I was at Hammersmith. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the 30th anniversary tour of, uh, of Sonic Temple at the event of Apollo. He, he didn't take a break. When I saw them do, they toured electric and played electric about uh, eight years ago, maybe something like mm-hmm. that. Maybe not quite that long, something like that. They played electric in its entirety in order. Then they took a break. Then they came out and did greatest hits, you know, until the encore and then they split. But when I saw them two and a half years ago here at Hammersmith, he was in a bit of a mood that night. Mm. Uh, and he's like, he went out a couple times and went, energy! Like he's telling the crowd, <laughs> get yourself pumped up. I'm like, well, it's kind of your job, Ian. Um, he, <laughs> you can hear that on our review of Sonic Temple 30th, <laughs> which we did last year. A couple times he came out and was like, if you don't cheer, we don't know. We don't know what you're feeling. You know, you've got to help us out, you kind of thing. Like, no, you got to help us out, man. We're older than you are, uh, or as old, uh, and, and we need a reason to jump up and down. And I, I just remember that night, it was great because I was in the upper deck, but like kind of in the front row, so like there's no one sitting in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I never had to stand up if I didn't want to. Oh, nice. And so I was just like chilling there. No, no. And, and so it's good to hear that Ian's a good spirit because depending on his mood, can really change the outcome of one of those cult shows. Right. And I think I was thinking about that, you, the, your comments when I was there, I'm like, man, we got to, everybody's got to, everybody's got to pitch in here because yeah, mm-hmm. if he's not feeling it, this is not going to go well. Although I will say that they did make more than one PSA at the beginning, uh, letting you know that uh, thank you so much for visiting the house of blues. We are a 100% non-smoking uh, establishment. Well, somebody didn't, pay attention to that because there was uh there was a haze over the place uh, for a while like wow somebody is hitting that thing hard because i don't <laughs> know if it was i don't know if it was a vape pen or something because i didn't smell i didn't smell smoke like something burning but right. there was definitely an aroma in the air yeah an aroma <laughs> that familiar aroma <laughs> but you smell but, a lot less these days i gotta tell you well yes then then back in the day but there's still it's it's still persistent and i think in florida you can you can get it for medical reasons right what you do with it after that who knows right, exactly. um, but the but the other thing that was cool was i just to be that close to the stage i mean it so the the les paul custom has the giant mother of pearl inlay, right? Oh, yeah. And then it says Les Paul Custom on the truss rod cover. I could read that. I was so close. I'm like, nice. this is... And and I saw something that, that Billy said. He's got those, uh, like, they're blonde guitars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he said he really liked Mick Ronson's guitar. So he took a black one and basically belt sanded it. 
so it didn't have any took all the black finish off of it if that's a true story he went and did something to it he got it re-glossed or something because it looked fan- the, he had two of them that were blonde and they just were they were just beautiful to look at they had a great finish on them nice black pickups black no pick guard black selector switch and the back of it you know he where he would give you the you know you pull it back you can see the back of it was all black so yeah, he played uh, he played two of those. Interesting. He had a re- he had a standard Les Paul, and then he brought out the Falcon for the the love stuff, and that was just cool. it was just awesome to see too. Yeah, that's a cool guitar. You love the Falcon, man. That's, yes, and it's so Billy. It's it's iconically. Yes. Although the Les Paul from the Sonic Temple years is as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing him with that Les Paul on those songs is what you expect. But pre Sonic Temple. That's kind of what Billy's signature was. Correct. Yeah, and 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 it really you probably could play the love stuff with the with the Les Paul and just make it work, but it's just the it's just the visual of it too that you know, you know what's coming next when he swaps it out for the the big uh I know he's got a black He's played Black Falcons in the past, but the white one is his signature. Yeah, and I think he's got his own signature model from Gretsch. But yeah, when that when he turns and you see that come out, you're like, okay, now I know what's coming next. That's right. Well, I mean, and then I'm looking at the set list here. They do Rise. They do Firewoman, which you figured they might close with. Mm-hmm. And then he introduces the band? Yes, correct. That, that's weird. Well, it, it is a little strange. You'd think they do it in the middle. Yeah. But it was kind of like it was kind of like it got rolling and there wasn't really a break. Like okay. they just kept they just kept hammering you. It was like somebody was just they just kept punching you in the head. Like there was no, you know, he did a little bit of a, you know, thank you so much. And, you know, he'd do the thing where he'd look and he'd kind of pat his heart, you know, like, yeah, I love you guys. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot. There weren't really any breaks. Like they just, they just kept going. Gotcha. But you'd think maybe between Rise and Fire Woman, that might be the Could time be. to do it. Sure. You know? yeah. sure. <laughs> or maybe when Billy's changing out one of his guitars or something. I don't know. But uh, look, as long as he was in a good mood, it doesn't matter when he introduces the band, really. Correct. Correct. That was that was the biggest thing for me is I don't I don't need I, I've looked forward to this for so long. I mean, I probably had the tickets for two or three months. Right. At least it let's you know, I, I don't want I don't want any uh, I don't want any bad behavior here. I don't want any diva crying about anything. So, no, no, it was good. You had those for two or three months. I had those Sting tickets for like two years, <laughs> <laughs> two years waiting for Stingo. So, no, I'm, I'm glad. I'm just glad for both of us and for every rock and roller's sake out there that there, we can get back to seeing live gigs again, man. Yeah. And the Coulter touring here opening for Alice Cooper, which I don't know. I was thinking about going to see, but I'm, I, I really don't want a truncated cult show, to be honest with you. I mean, it's cool yeah. to, be to see their eight or nine top hits i've got a stereo i can do that you know mm-hmm. uh, so I, I just kind of decided eh. so i, I wonder too i don't know what's coming next because they are they apparently they're going to put out a new record before the end of the year i mean ah. they're it's so um i don't know what the next move is going to be are you going to tour for that i don't know they tour 2023 i bet they come over here that's you'll have to come over Meet me in England for that, man. That would be, Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah. Killer. Not at the Palladium, though. Anyway. Hopefully Hammersmith. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into the brass tacks. What was okay. your least favorite song of the night? Okay, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a loaded question, and that brings up a, a kind of my biggest disappointment too. We can dovetail those two things okay. together. My least favorite song was Firewoman because really? that was it was it was at the end everybody was kind of a little bit out of gas the band and the and the crowd I mean it was it was an assault but my big problem was that that dude Damon Fox mm-hmm. he was I thought he would come out and play a little guitar he did not he played the keyboards the entire time sang back up played the keyboards Firewoman needs another guitar yeah. It needs the it needs and it didn't have it. And I was like, oh, I love this song. It's their signature song, but yeah. it just it was just lacking because it had one, it was at the end of the show and it only had one guitar. You need that, you need that rhythm to really overdrive it. And it just yeah. didn't have it. Huh. Well, that is too bad. That's and yeah. that's interesting too, that they would do that. Why why keyboards instead of the second guitar? That I don't know. And and I would say the same thing for Rise, too. You needed that second guitar there, and you didn't have it. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what Rise is, man. Correct. Uh, yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, then, 
What was your favorite then? What was the favorite song? It, it had to be it, my favorite. Was, it, and it's hard because I love all these songs, but probably because, and I don't know if I sent this to you, but uh, Rain was probably my favorite because, and I've got like about a 20 or 20 second video of him going into the, the main riff. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I've always loved that song. And oh, I mean, yeah. again, the Falcon came out. It's just, it, it's just so iconic and they just nailed it also. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That yeah. is good to hear because that's the same for me too. You know, they're going to play rain. If they're only going to do one song, right. I would hope it was that one. And it sounded yeah. like it was. What about were there any sa- surprises, any big surprises on the night? Surprises were that they didn't, there wasn't any kind of, there wasn't really any kind of like, interplay with the crowd like there wasn't any solo or anything like that i that that was a little bit surprising to me the other surprise was that that really the other surprise was how many people were there i then that was a pleasant surprise because i I was really like "Ah, i don't know i don't know how big this place is i mean it's orlando Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other stuff going on there it's not like you're in you know well hey this is the only thing in town so let's go that that was really a pleasant surprise to me. There were a lot of people there that you knew were had been waiting for this show. And it yeah. was kind of, you know, you kind of get that vibe at the beginning when you're in you're in line. You're like, okay, you know, this is finally happening. Let's go. Yeah, I, that was the that was the weird part too, was the the juxtaposition of standing in line for this thing at basically Disney, where it's like, oh look, here's the, you know, the Disney. Stormtroopers walking by. Yeah. And then yeah. there's Murphy, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. <laughs> what? What are we doing here? But but I, I like the point that you brought up earlier. Kind of like oh, when you right. go to an arena show and there's twelve or 15,000 people there, some of them might only know one song, you know, or it's like, oh, it's a big hit on the radio now, so I'll go. Or you know, all my other friends are going, I'll go. Or you know, sometimes, like when we went to see Van Halen, there are plenty of people who were just there to see Alice and James, didn't care if Van Halen was playing, you know, kind of thing. Right. So sometimes yeah. they'll, they'll be there for the opening act or, or whatever, like you say. It's something to do. It's a big deal. So let's go. But although now they're playing to smaller crowds, it's a it's a crowd who's who are hyper fans, right? They're really into it. If you're only going to put a thousand people in here, you're going to get like the top thousand cult fans from an hour, or in your case, two and a half, three hours away. And and it was kind of cool too because there were there were I didn't bring my son because he was not feeling well and he's just not he doesn't do really well in crowds like. Mm-hmm. So, but there were some younger people there. And so you could tell it was like, you know, dad is, you know, Hey, these guys are really cool. Check this out. You know, we've been listening to the records. Like, you know, you took your daughter to go see kiss. It was, it was kind of that vibe. I'm like, well, I hope they have earplugs because mm-hmm. these kids heads are going to explode. But yeah, it was just, the, the crowd was really great and everybody was pumped to be there. Every, of course, everybody knew every single song yeah. and, and were, you know, even the ones like, you know, like Automatic Blues from the Sonic Temple record, that was never on the radio. But I mean, if you, if you're a fan, you know it. Yeah. So yeah, there, there was no, there were no like duds in the, in the energy either. I mean, it was, it was high octane beginning, start to finish. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah. I guess the dumb question is, would you see them again? I'd see them again tonight. Yeah. I would go tonight if I could. It was, it was so to be that close. I mean, if it was, if it was an arena show, probably not because it's like, Oh, well, you know, I was a million miles away, but to be that, to do, to do that again and to be that close, it was just, it, it was phenomenal. Well, that wraps the 74th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock podcast. I think you can hear in our voices how psyched Gary and I are to have live music back in our lives. I know that it kind of started to open up late last year, but not every one of them could happen. Not everyone is so easy about just jumping right back on the road again. But it seems like now, 2022, everybody's heading out of the room, especially for spring and summer here. It's always possible that by next winter, especially start we get into the holidays, that we might lock down again, or people might get a little leery and might start knocking off some of their dates again. I'm fortunate that I'm going to go see Yes here this summer, but their European tour, yeah, they're going to go ahead and post that till 2023. So not everything is coming back on, but I know we are not alone in that We are so happy to have live music back. I know a lot of you out there have been waiting, some of you holding tickets for two and a half years to see some of these shows. And it was a great pleasure for me to see Sting in the Palladium, but I think it was really huge for Jackson to be able to see the Cult again, his favorite band, who he hasn't seen in 20 years. They've had their ups and downs, 
They've had their makeups and breakups, so I know it was huge for him. And we want to know, hey, who are you excited about seeing this year? Whether it's something you've been holding on to for a long time, or it's a new tour happening and you're just psyched that it's finally going on. You know, the Def Leppard Motley Crue Stadium Tour has been on hold for a couple years. I know a couple people who are really excited about that. So let us know. Tweet us at ugly underscore werewolf or at actionjack72. We are on Instagram. We're trying to get back on Facebook. But let us know the music, the movies, the records, the bands, the concerts, the DVDs, the rock properties you want us to know about. And please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, Amazon's been big to us, Good Pods is good to us, Google Play's been happening a lot lately. Make sure you download and subscribe, and if you're thinking about it, leave us a positive review. It just helps us find more listeners like you and helps us improve the show because we at The Wolf always are striving to make the show as good as possible. Right now we're doing some concert reviews. We had these spaced out a little bit better over the last couple years, but they're just kind of falling back to back to back right now, and I'm trying to get out to them as quickly as, as we can to review them for you, give you an opportunity to see what they're all about, and to promote them. If you got a chance to see The Colt, go see them. If you got a chance to see Simple Minds from our last show, go see them. You won't be disappointed. So that's it for episode number 74 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network and family. And we've got some exciting things coming up for you with some of our fellow Pantheon podcasters here in the near future. Don't want to give it all away right now. Got to give them a chance to promote their shows, but we've got some fun stuff coming up that I know you're going to want to hear about. And speaking of things coming up, Episode 75 is looming. And for Episode 75, we're going to have a very special concert review, one I didn't even think I was going to see, and then lo and behold, I basically got to sit on stage. And that's for Nick Mason's Saucerful of Secrets at Royal Howard Hall. Two days before the show, I didn't have tickets. Day of the show, I had a ticket not only in the front row, but basically on the stage that swiveled so I could look right at Gary Kemp, Guy Pratt, and Nick Mason. It was an amazing and special night for me, and I can't wait to share it with you here on the show. So until next time, rock and rollers, all of you all around the world, be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.